today a little bit unconventionally. I feel like the Lord wants to say to some of you that refreshing comes from Him. Don't be closed. Open your heart to a time of refreshing. Make sure you don't miss the blessing. Amen? Pray with me. Today, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that I have to bring this message. I ask you to intervene in our hearts. May we hear your word. May it penetrate deep within our hearts and our spirits and bring us to a place of action. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the Old Testament. I love the New Testament. I love both Testaments. Today we're going to bounce around a little bit, but we're going to concentrate on a story about a prophet named Elijah. It's found in 1 Kings. Last month, we talked about the power of one and how one person partnered in obedience with God can make a huge kingdom difference. From mighty military victories to family blessing that lasts generations. Each story has shown us the greatness of God and the power of God that can be on display in one life at a time. Today, we begin a new series. All month, we'll focus on prayer. This month... It's all about the prayer of one. We'll walk through some amazing examples of people who stepped out in faith, prayed bold, even world-changing, nature-altering, army-defeating prayers, and saw them answered by the God of the Bible. Here again, we find ourselves looking closely at one person and one prayer, or the way they approached prayer in their life. My hope is that it brings us close to realizing that we too can have the faith to to pray bold prayers and to see miracles happen. Miracles is something that I define as only God can do. The emergency broadcast system is... (laughs) We've been preaching on end times on Wednesday night, so all of our senses are heightened. (laughs) Last Wednesday, we talked about um, 
the technology for making deep fake videos and stuff like that and how we could turn on the news one day and be fooled. This was last Wednesday. Be fooled by a video that looks so real and then the news hit the next day. Somebody sent me that now they're saying that Russia apparently is going to do this with the Ukraine situation. But isn't it cool how God gave us a heads up on Wednesday? And it was all speculation, but God doesn't speculate. Amen? He leads us by the Spirit. Be earnest. Pay attention, people of God. Which brings us all to a more, all to a conclusion that prayer is so very, very important in our lives. For many years, I've believed up until about an hour ago, I've felt that the Scripture says in James chapter 5, it says that the prayer of a righteous person, righteous man, availeth much, does powerful things. And I thought to myself for years that if I can just be good enough, then my prayers will be answered. That if I'm righteous enough, maybe God will hear me on a miraculous level. And I thought myself that if, if, if I can live such a life of holiness, then there'll be more impact when I pray. And the Holy Spirit had to remind me of something today. It's been said that Scripture is like a string of pearls. When connected to each other, it makes a beautiful thing. And while that does say that in James chapter 5, the word righteous is the thing that jumped out at me. Because in Isaiah chapter 64, it says that any righteous deeds that mankind brings are like filthy rags. So my righteousness is like a filthy rag, even on my best day. which then took me to Romans chapter 3 in an entire chapter that's committed to this one truth that no one is righteous. So how can the, righteous, the prayers of a righteous man be answered in a powerful way if the righteous deeds of that person are like filthy rags and if like in Romans 3 it says no one's righteous anyway? What's the point? How can my prayer be answered and change things. Which brings me to the second half of Romans chapter 3. In the first half, it's clearly explained and laid out. There is no question unequivocally, we are flawed. We are sinners in need of a Savior. And in comes Jesus. Because our righteousness is not ours at all. Our righteousness is through Him who died upon a cross so our sin may be washed away. So friend, I want to remind you, as the Holy Spirit reminded me, righteousness is only in Christ. Can you live your life in habitual sin and see God's goodness? I don't think so. 
But as soon as you think it's about you and how good you are and God answers your prayer according to that, you've already started off on the wrong foot. God, I had a good week. I didn't look at the wrong thing. I didn't get mad at anybody. I hadn't got angry at work. I've had a good week. And so today I'm going to pray for that person and see a miracle. Doesn't work that way. This is what the Holy Spirit showed me. Righteousness is clarity. For us, if Christ is our righteousness, then at the end of the day, it's all about focus. It's all about clarity. It's our attitude that brings us to a place where we clearly focus on who God is, what he wants us to be about. See, sometimes we find ourselves praying prayers we shouldn't be praying in the first place. That sports car, that million-dollar lottery ticket, that blessing that you're praying for that God don't want you to have anyway, that time you're praying, Lord, show, me, show my spouse they're wrong, I'm right. Right? You see, Jesus makes it pretty clear in John when he says, ask the Father of anything in my name and it will be done for you. But he makes sure to say, and we've got to make sure to hear, according to his will. If we're praying against the will of God, it's because we don't have clarity to hear his voice. And how can we have clarity to hear his voice if we're never praying and having relationship with God? You see, our prayer time is not just us talking. Our prayer time is us listening. How many of you guys know somebody talks a lot? Right? What, what if... We're that person. Here they come again. Now hear me out, God. This time I'm going to try to tell you what's going on here. Here's what I need you to do and deal with, the, deal with these people in my life. And God is saying, let me deal with you first. So as we go into the prayer of one and we see these incredible examples of people that were just like me and you, that prayed prayers of faith and saw incredible, miraculous things happen, I want to remind you and bring you to the place where you understand that you can never be good enough to deserve a miracle. Hello? Are there any sinners saved by grace in the house today? Then I'm talking to you. Can I tell you that it was something that I was so thankful for as the Holy Spirit reminded me that none of this is or ever was about me. It's my assignment at this moment in my life and I'm thankful to do it. But none of this is or ever was about me. It's about what he wants to do. Amen? And we've often said that the Holy Spirit is the senior pastor of this church. We all work for him. First Kings. Then Elijah said, it's actually chapter 18, 
chapter 18. It's wrong on the note sheet. That'll be uh, Kevin's fault. Uh, pick Kevin. We'll pick Kevin this time. Landon, you're off on this one. I gave you. I don't know where they get these notes. I don't know who sends it to them. It's surely not their fault. <laughs> I'll deal with them this week. The first Kings. <laughs> then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first. For there are many of you, choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God. But do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal. From morning until noontime, they shouted, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced. They hobbled around the altar that they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed. For surely he is a God. Perhaps he is daydreaming or is relieving himself. This is in the Bible. <laughs> Elijah was a character. Or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep or needs to be wakened. So they shouted louder. They actually paid attention to what Elijah... We should shout louder. Maybe he's asleep or relieving himself, guys. Louder! They shouted louder, and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and sword, and blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of evening, the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. Before I get into what's on the note sheet, I want to start with this idea. There are two types of prayer found in this story. And it's all about who they are praying to. Why did I say God of the Bible in the introduction of this message just a few moments ago? Because there has been a grave misunderstanding that when people say God, they're always talking about the God of the Bible. There are so many people that have fashioned God in their own image, and God has become who they want Him to be, and He is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is above all. He is in all. He is through all, and He is omnipresent and omnipotent, and He doesn't bow the knee to us. We bow the knee to Him. And as soon as we make God in our image and he becomes what we want him to do and we pray to that God, we're not praying to God at all. We're praying to an image and an idol that we've created. Oh, a God who loves people wouldn't send anybody to hell. He's not sending anybody to hell. People are sending themselves by choosing to rebel against him and not take the gift of salvation. Who are you praying to? The prophets of Baal were praying, screaming out to Baal, a God who was literally a demon. He had no power to respond in this moment. Why is that? Because God of heaven and earth and the God of the Bible is sovereign above all. And that demon could only do what God allowed him to do. And in this moment, God had something he was accomplishing. Baal, demon, don't you say a word. Let him scream. Let them shout. He had no power to respond in this moment because the enemy is subject to the sovereignty of God. The results speak for themselves. They were showing, they were showing out and they were, they were dancing around, but there was only silence and impetus from this God they were screaming out to. 
They were shouting and cutting themselves because apparently that's something that their God required in order to be heard. But their efforts fell flat. And all because of who they prayed to, they had got no answer. Moving down to verse 36, it says, At the usual time of the, for the evening sacrifice, which was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, by the way. Side note, Jesus died at 3, the time of the evening sacrifice. At the usual time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately. The fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust, and even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Who are you praying to? Elijah was praying to the one true God, the God of Israel. Notice the prayer recognized God's authority and power. By relating to his history, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then the prayer realized that this petition was made in obedience to God and his will. His will was to bring Israel back to him. Make no mistake, God is constantly drawing us to him. Those who run from him, those who rebel from him, God is calling and reaching, wooing them back. And so many people say, God doesn't care about me. He wouldn't allow me to live and suffer the way that I've suffered. Have you ever thought that suffering is the very thing that God is trying to use to bring you back to him? Who are you praying to? God, Elijah was praying to the one true God. And he saw the miracle. This story was a showdown of epic proportions. All of Israel was, call, was called out. We see here in 1 Kings 18, the story goes on. God had won the victory and Israel had bowed the knee to the one true God, once again returning to him. 1 Kings chapter 18 says this, verse 43 I'm sorry, verse 41 is where we'll start. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed his, with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times. Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't, the rain will stop you. 
And soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought terrific rainstorm and Ahab quickly left for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance to Jezreel. In one day, in one moment, Elijah went from mocking the prophets of Baal to outrunning a chariot. Amazing. The prayer of one. Elijah brings us two prayers. One brought fire from heaven and the other brought rain. Can you imagine praying and rain happening? Can you imagine fire falling from praying and seeing it happen in an instant? It blows me away the size of these miracles the sheer power that was on display. I'd like to draw your attention that in the Old Testament times, spiritual things were much more commonplace than they are here in our country in the United States. Even today in other nations, there is a much more awareness of spiritual things. Witch doctors in the local village, voodoo happening around every corner, what have you. People recognize that there is spiritual. People in our country, in postmodernism and in Europe in many places, question that there's anything beyond this life. But in these days, you saw, but what was happening on the physical and what was happening in front of them, you also saw spiritual signs and wonders that would happen on a scale that was much greater than you and I could even imagine. This was the day that they lived in. Today, we have chalked up miracles to simply being healing. Healing is a miracle. Yes, we believe in divine healing, but miracles are so much more than that. One of the greatest miracles, actually the greatest miracle that is still hard to fathom and, 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 and understand is the fact that God was made man and hung on a cross and somehow the physical blood that was spilled over 2,000 years ago can be supernaturally applied to my sin and keep me out of hell. What? How does that even happen? I don't know. It's a miracle. Miracles where we've prayed for loved ones and we've prayed for lost ones and we've prayed for relationships and God miraculously, supernaturally tears down the obstacles and the walls that are built in those relationships and brings healing and wholeness, restoration. This is a miracle. It's a miracle that the church in total in all its rebellion and running from what God really has called us to be about is still a viable power today only by the grace of God. And the church that embraces the power who is the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit operates in that power and sees lives change today God is a powerful God for us to worship him and say, well, he can't do that. Isn't the God that I, that I serve? The prayer of one, both incredible prayers, but both very different. 
the way they were prayed, and the way they were answered. Three things I want to draw your attention to today. Number one, both of these prayers and both of these principles, these prayer principles can be found in three ways. Faith-filled prayer. Faith-filled prayer. First Kings 18, 19, we see that he goes out of his way, Elijah does, to call all of Israel. Now summon all of Israel, join me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezreel. 850 prophets in all against Elijah. That should be a reminder to us that it doesn't matter how many people are praying. If they're not praying to the right God and in the will of God, then nothing's going to happen. This is why I don't get upset when we have a prayer meeting with just a handful of people. Because that prayer can change things. Faith-filled prayer, the prayer of fire. We see Elijah was full of faith, so much faith that he told everybody, come and see. He told everybody, come and see. And sometimes I, I have even in my own experience, I said, well, maybe I don't want to pray for that because what if God doesn't do that? It was never about me in the first place. <laughs> Who are you, Andrew, to worry about what God's going to do? You think you might look bad? It ain't your miracle. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pray it anyway then. Amen? Can I tell you, I pray for people and I want to see a miracle so bad and then it doesn't happen. You know, the enemy of most people's spiritual condition is unanswered prayer. I've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happened. And so now it's God's fault. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. He knows what he's doing, guys. Our responsibility is to pray. His responsibility is to work. But he had faith-filled prayer. Elijah stepped out there in faith. What if God didn't answer? It never crossed his mind. It didn't look like it. I'm going to invite all of Israel. You know what? As many people as can come see me fail, come on out. That's not what he was thinking. As many people as can come see the power of God, come on out. Amen? Faith-filled prayer. It starts there. Ask as if it's done in Jesus' name. Faith-filled prayer was also found in the prayer for rain. 1 Kings 18, 41, right after this miracle of the fire coming down, you think Elijah would be able to turn around and say, God did that, now I'm going to pray for rain and watch him do this like that. So he turns and he says, go tell Ahab. You know, it says here in verse, uh, where am I at? 41. Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Did he hear a mighty rainstorm coming? No, but in his spirit he did. I mean, you guys understand something, that God speaks to you 
And as long as you're listening, it will build your faith. The God of heaven and earth and the God of the Bible says, I will restore that marriage. I will save that child. I will heal that body. And as long as we're listening, that builds our faith and we pray that prayer and trust Him with the outcome. Can I tell you, I needed to get prayed for several times before I walked into this pulpit today. Why? Because I'm talking about this. The devil knows if we can get a hold of what the prayer of one can do in partnership with the power of the Holy Spirit, then this world will change. The prayer of rain, he said, go get, go get something to eat for there is a mighty storm coming. Can we start using our mouths to build our faith and say, I know God's gonna do it. I know he'll intervene. I know he'll work a miracle. Can we begin to build faith in one another and in our own lives? The second thing about these prayers is they were fervent. Fervent. It's a word from the 1800s, I know. It means... Right? I don't know what the definition in the dictionary has. There's still dictionaries. Anyway, but if it was just a guy going, I'd get it. I'd get it. That's a fervent guy right there. I tell you what wasn't fervent last night the Tar Heels. <laughs> Let me tell y'all something. I got I to get this off my chest, and I get to do it right here. And everybody in the pastor's home and family knows that you are on blast. Is it too late to turn in my son-in-law, Ben? He was rooting against the Tar Heels in my very home last night. So, he's sitting on this side of the room. You guys can see him. I want the safety team to know, don't do nothing. Let it happen. <laughs> oh, gosh. See, this is where I need the Lord's help, and this is why I pray. Lord, help these people focus beyond my silliness sometimes. Here we go. Fervent prayer. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 37 tells us how Elijah cried out and he saw the fire come down immediately. Immediately. Man, if God answered us immediately, it certainly would be a whole lot easier. Right? One of the most frustrating answers that I have experienced from God is, Lord, tell me what to do. Now, nothing. <laughs> Write down pros and cons. Now, Lord, tell me. Show me which side I need to pick. Nothing. I have this thing where I say, Lord, I'm going to do this, and then I'll wait. And most of the time, I'll have peace on that side if that's what I'm supposed to do. Then I'll go over here. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. And then I'll have, I'll wait, peace or restlessness. That's how it happens for me sometimes. But the most frustrating time is when it's neutral on both sides. And it's, after, it's as if the Lord said, this one I don't need to be involved in. Just choose what color paint you're going to put on that wall. Sometimes we make it a little bit too complicated, amen? Lord, I don't know if you want me to get the grilled chicken 
Shondai. Tell me. <laughs> We're making it more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> it's just more complicated than it needs to be. Just get what you want. Run if you get the fried one. Take a run. Here we go. <sighs> he cried out to God. He was fervent and crying out to God in front of the nation and in front of the people. He was crying. Sometimes we need to use our voices, not only in arguments with one another, but sometimes we need to use our voices in prayer. Amen? When you cry out to God, it shows a fervent attitude about you that you are entering in. We had a, a meeting here last Monday night, and we didn't have our, our intercessory prayer going on, but Espanol, our GLC Espanol church was in here praying, and we come walking out of that door. I had some people with me. I was showing them some of the areas that were changing around, but anyway, we walked through, and I walked in. Pastor Joaquin was, oh, yes, the Spirit, the Santo, and he was praying all these prayers. I don't know how to pray in Espanol, but he was praying all these prayers, crying out, and his whole little congregation, they were praying with him, and it hit me. That's fervent prayer. And Greater Life English meeting was walking at the man. Oh, God, we got to be quiet. We're walking through. Sometimes we need to be fervent, cry out to God. There's many testimonies of many people out there, people of faith, that will tell you they walked by their grandma's room or their grandpa's room or their mother's room or their father's room and remember them in the room crying out and hearing them pray for them. Fervent prayer. It looked very different when he prayed for rain. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42, it says, Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. It wasn't in front of everybody, and he wasn't screaming out, and he wasn't crying out. It was him and God at the top of the mountain, and he was quietly in front of the Lord crying out to him, praying fervently. It looked different. And nothing happened immediately. You see, I have faith for great things to happen. But I also often ask God to help my unbelief. Are you with me? Can you imagine the pendulum that swung in Elijah's heart as fire fell down from heaven when he cried it out immediately, when he cried out for it immediately, and then he went and prayed for rain. Rain isn't that hard to come out of heaven. It does it all the time. Uh, right? Fire doesn't fall from heaven all the time. And the thing that you would think wouldn't require as much faith it seemed to require greater faith and greater fervent prayer because now it didn't happen immediately. So what did Elijah say? Well, I don't know all I can do. I'm going to go eat with Ahab. No, he skipped a meal. It wasn't about eating. It was about getting in front of God. This is the power of fasting. And he went and got in front of God and nothing happened. And the Bible tells us that it's, it went back seven times. Hey, servant who we believe his name Gehazi, it was his servant. Go check and see if it's rain. Hey, man, there's nothing there. What do you want me to do now? Stay here. Go back to the top of the mountain and we'll pray again. Seven times. 
Elijah didn't know it was going to happen on the seventh time. I don't know how many times he would have gone back and prayed, but he wasn't giving up. And how quickly are we to give up on God sometimes? The prayer of one. It's the old idea of praying through. It's the old idea of making a prayer list and not crossing it off until you've got that miracle on the other side. Praying for that miracle of healing, wholeness, that person. You put that person on that prayer list and you pray daily, God, do it again. Lord, touch them. Lord, intervene. Lord, use me. Whatever it is, and it's a repetitive prayer. It's not a bad repetitive prayer as Jesus talks about, which is talking about chanting, which did you know Jesus says we shouldn't be chanting? But it's praying through. It's bringing it to the God of heaven on a consistent basis. And Elijah did this with the prayer of rain, and he saw it happen. John Wesley was a person of prayer. It's no wonder why prayer, Wesley said, is the grand means of drawing near to God. It is the breath of our spiritual life. In his sermon, one time he stated, the neglect of private prayer is the most common reason people lose their faith. If you're not praying, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's almost like you're expecting to have a good relationship with your spouse and you never talk. Amen? You got to talk. You got to communicate. You have to have that prayer life. Can I tell you, one conversation with the Lord is much more important than a thousand conversations with anyone else. Finally, we get to the fruit of prayer. The fruit of prayer. Celebrate small and believe for big. Celebrate small and believe for big. His servant kept coming back. There's nothing there. Finally, on the seventh time, the Scripture tells us that there now was something. And it says here, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Can you just see this happening and transpiring in Scripture? Can you just see this narrative and this story? <laughs> Elijah's praying and praying for rain. It hadn't, prayed, it hadn't rained there for a long period of time because Elijah also said that it's not going to rain. So there was famine in the land. And the king was mad at Elijah and said, why'd you stop the rain? Now he's praying for rain because Israel had come back to the Lord. He tells Ahab to go. And I just picture in my, I just picture in my own mind, Ahab just eating fried chicken and whatever, I don't know, as he's sitting there eating. Turkey leg in one hand, goblet in the other. Hey, you better get back home. Why? I, why? You don't understand, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand <laughs> over the sea. Wow. 
see that. What are you, what are you even talking about? You know, I picture kings, like, like the movies depict them. They're sitting here when, and there's just food everywhere and grapes and all this. And they're just, yeah, yeah, bring forth the prisoner, you know. And I see Ahab sitting here just enjoying a meal. Hey, Ahab, you better hurry up and go. But Ahab did. Celebrate small and believe for big. You see, Elijah didn't need a huge rainstorm to celebrate. Sometimes we forget that when God begins to move, we've got to begin to be thankful for the move of God. Let me draw your attention to Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. Then the angel of the Lord had been talking with me and woke me as though I had been asleep. What do you see now, he asked. I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand, the bowl of oil on top of it. Around the bowl, bowl, the bowl are seven lamps, each having seven spouts of wicks. I saw an olive tree in each side of the bowl. Then I asked the angel, what, what are these, my Lord? What do they mean? Don't you know, the angel asked. No, my Lord, I replied. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see a plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. In that passage, we see a God who levels mountains and makes it as, as flat as the plains. In that passage, we see God telling this person, this prophet, in, in this passage, celebrate the start of something. Celebrate the small. Because something bigger is behind it. So many times, we miss the blessing of God because we're not paying attention. Jesus talked about a mustard seed faith that could move mountains. There's always this equation of a little faith goes a long way. Can I tell you, when something begins to move, you begin to celebrate in faith as if it's already complete. Because my Bible says that Jesus is faithful to complete every good work within us. He will carry it all the way out to the finish line. Amen? You and I have the obligation, responsibility, and opportunity to let faith meet that small answer to prayer and then believe God to finish the, finish the race for us. As a church, we want to always celebrate the miracles, miracles of God. One other thing I see that's important for us to know is that we need to be honest. 
If we're praying for something and nothing's happened, it's okay to say, yeah, nothing's happened. This is what the servant told Elijah. Because when we're not honest, we don't know that we need to keep praying on this. Amen? We don't know that we need to keep pressing in and we need to keep fervent about prayer. The fruit of prayer in this passage is that the rain did come, that there was a mighty storm, and that even Elijah experienced supernatural strength on the back end of that answer to prayer to get where he needed to be. Can I tell you, church, I'm praying that God gives us all supernatural strength to get to where we need to be because when Jesus calls us home, we better be done with our assignment. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13 says this. Jesus is teaching on prayer here, and it says, I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Beginning tomorrow night, we want to call the church back to a place of prayer. We're going from an intercessory prayer hour and changing things to a prayer service. I have a word the Lord's given me. It's about eight to 10 minutes in length. We have live worship, and then we have directed intercessory prayer for all of us to grab a hold of the altar and to get something done in the spirit realm. I encourage you, Try to be here on Monday evenings this month, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Start your week with that and see God do amazing things. Amen? Also, I want to remind you that this Wednesday, we have our members meeting. Members meeting, there's a flyer that's out in front, a booklet that's out in front that has all of our minutes and reporting and different things like that. Um, if you're here on Wednesday nights for Pastor's Prophecy Hour, Certainly come, because business is half of that. This is what happened last year, but next year, this is where we're going. I want to tell you something. At last year's members meeting, two, for two years now, the Lord's laid something on my heart that was bigger than I thought I should say out loud. And there's a, there's a sense that if your dream is not too big for you, or your calling, or your purpose, or whatever you feel like God's leading. If it's not too big for you, then that means you don't need God to go with you. <laughs> well, we need God to go with us in 2022, but I believe, I believe that God is calling us to even greater things. Amen? So get here on Wednesday night. Dinner is at 6. We have full kids, full youth, all that kind of stuff. Be here on Wednesday night for that. And finally, I want to draw your attention to a, a ministry that I believe is incredibly important. You know, we've got lots of things going on all the time. Uh, Todd, would you stand up? Parade up here with your uniform. <laughs> see, see Todd? That's Todd. Thank you, Todd. Todd is our Royal Ranger commander. Royal Rangers is a ministry to boys. And uh, on Wednesday night, each and every Wednesday night, and I was actually having a conversation with someone uh, before church about scouts and some other programs. Listen, a lot of programs have lost their way. Uh, but this is a Bible-based program. They, use all, they learn all types of crafts and, and rope craft, fire craft, all those kinds of things under adult supervision. They get badges. Todd has a heart for ministry. He's been a youth minister before and shares the word of God with those young guys. 
And I want to encourage you on Wednesday night is when it happens, but there's a Thursday night opportunity for those parents and even leaders. If you want to learn more about it, you can see Todd on your way out, or maybe he'll see you if you're not quick enough. Um, <laughs> right, Todd? Listen, can we get to pray in this month as a church? I'm looking around and, and I know that God's going to do some really cool things this year. And while we have time, Let's get busy about it. I just, I know deeply, deeply convicted that we have got to get serious about our relationship with Jesus. We have got to put him first in our personal lives so we can bring other people along with us because it is the heart of the Father in heaven that all men and women be saved. And how can, we, how can we deny that and work against that? So Greater Life Church is going to be about that. And we pray and believe that the power of God is going to be manifested in the lives of people in this place. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being in control. I pray right now that there would be an incredible sense of peace and refreshing in our hearts as we understand that our prayers don't go unheard, that we're not alone. <laughs> and Lord Jesus, that the reminder is that you are with us every day. And you, Lord, have overcome this world. So God, as we look around and see negative things, may each time that that comes to our attention, may we be reminded that you are on the throne, you are in control, and you're calling us to greater things. Help us, Lord Jesus, to go out from this place with a sense of expectancy. May this month be the greatest month ever with Greater Life Church and beyond. May this place be a beacon, a house for the army of the Lord to, to reside and to be sent out from and deployed all over this community. And may you anoint this people to be workers in the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.